Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Lots happening as we watch those markets today. Obviously, the USDA report came out, made for some interesting reactions on the livestock side as well. Now, if you heard the talk, yes, there was a freeze in Brazil. We'll talk more about that and the weather here in the U.S., literally going from one extreme to the other. To get all the details today, we bring in Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. And USDA report, 11 o'clock came, 11 Oh, and 30 seconds, we started to see a bit of knee-jerk reaction to the trade. What are your thoughts on the, today's report? Well, I think the market says it all. Um, it, it means that we have extremely tight domestic and global stocks, uh, and there's no room for error, and we're in a year when the weather pattern is not cooperating, and uh, things are very tight. Uh, st- June 1, stocks came in tighter than expected. That means that feed demand is holding up strong. Uh, we know that ethanol demand is holding up strong. That report came out earlier in the day. Uh, exports have been strong, although waning a little bit here of late because of some problems at the ports of China. Um, but overall, demand remains strong. World stocks are tight. Our stocks are tighter than what we thought, and acreage is less than what we thought. So basically, we're in a position now where we have to ration soybean demand, and we have to have a near-record corn yield this year just to maintain tight stocks. And so the funds like that, obviously. That puts fear in the hearts of end users, and it gets farmers bowled up, uh, wishing they had more to sell, but uh, not wanting to sell now, hoping for higher prices. You know, we had talked uh, earlier in the week ahead of this report that wondered if this was going to put on any, any extra added pressure or relieve the pressure of producers knowing what the global picture has been like for crops this year. Yeah, and I think when you look at corn, particularly everything past the uh, July contract, which is going in delivery now, uh, went into the 40-cent daily trading limit, so it locked higher. Uh, Soybeans traded almost their dollar limit higher move and ended up over 80 cents higher on the day. So it was a big day in the markets um, overall with a lot of money pulling in, and funds are afraid to be short the corn and soybean markets right now. Minneapolis wheat continues to lead the wheat complex higher as the drought continues to intensify there. One of the things I notice is, yes, spring wheat acres came in 100,000 acres or so above what the trade expected, but USDA is expecting a typical 3.5% abandonment rate for wheat this year in the spring wheat belt, and I think it's going to be closer to 15% or higher based on the conditions that we see in the forecast right now. So, all things said and done, this is this is a time, for, uh, not the time for the faint at heart. Things are going to uh, continue to be volatile for some time. It looks like. What was your biggest takeaway from that report as you had the chance to digest the numbers? Uh, I think it reinforces the argument. What happened to 14.4 million acres that disappeared from our uh, total U.S. national acreage since 2014? Um, what happened to them? Most of those acres came from the plains. We had every incentive to plant fence row to fence row this year, and we didn't do it. And 
according to USDA anyway. What happened to those acreage? I have trouble believing that farmers didn't plant everything that they could. The exceptions might be some spots that were just simply too dry in the northwestern grain belt, but this data really doesn't show that. This was as of June 1st when farmers still intended on planting uh, to one crop or another. So it reinforces that argument. What happened to those 14.4 million acres since 2014, or did they ever exist? So how does this set the tone for tonight's overnight trade? Well, you originally think maybe you get some farmer selling, and maybe we will get a little bit, but overall the farmer has been doing a good job of selling into the rally to this point, and a U.S. farmer doesn't have that much more to sell. Who does, though, is the farmer in Brazil. And I would anticipate that we will see a little bit of uh, Brazil farmer selling on this because there are some farmers down there who missed out on the opportunities to sell previously and have been looking for another rally to sell. Not that their margins aren't high. Their margins are high. It's that old typical greed uh, thing of maybe I can get more. Uh, with currency exchange rates, they had tremendous profit opportunities. And I think what this says is this market is going to buy more production. It's going to maximize expansion of acres in Brazil, both for soybeans and corn in the year ahead. But in the meantime, things are going to be tight. So you look at this, and I want to talk about Brazil before we had to break uh, freeze weather and, and not good for the Safrina corn crop, which has been struggling all along. Yeah, Brazil soybean crop is harvested. That's been an that's been out of the field for some time now. But the big corn crop in Brazil is the safrina or second corn crop, or the winter corn crop, if we will, because it's such a tropical area. They can plant back-to-back crops. And so after they harvest the soybeans, they plant corn. And that's roughly three-fourths of their total production accounts for most of their exportable supplies. It was very short this year because of a late planting, because of the weather delayed the soybean harvest, delayed the corn planting, Therefore, a lot of it got planted late, putting at risk, drought set on, cut about 25% of the crop, and now we get a freeze. Their corn is anywhere from late pollination to mature at this point. So we saw some significant losses. Now, we've already cut the crop dramatically, so I'm talking about maybe a few percentage points off. A short crop gets a bit shorter and puts more pressure on the world balance sheet. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll also look at the weather here in the States. The livestock perspective, what did this USDA report today mean to the livestock industry? We know a lot of turf was covered in that trade just in a very short amount of time. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Specialty. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield continuing the conversation with Arlen Suderman. He is with Stonex. And we left talking about the the freeze in, in Brazil and, and looking at the, the bigger picture on this. Should we as U.S. producers be concerned, excited that they got the freeze? What are you hearing out there? Yeah, it depends on which side of the fence you're on. Are you an end user or are you a producer? From a producer standpoint, it tightens up the global balance sheet, likely sends more export demand to the United States for the next marketing year. Not the current one, but the next one, helping support the exports. Uh, USDA already had some more downward way to go, we believe, on their uh, production estimate anyway. Uh, from an end user standpoint, 
it means that they face greater risk of higher prices than do low prices. Well, we say we've already seen eight-year highs in prices. How much higher can they go? In this environment, with this amount of money behind these markets, it can go a lot higher. Not That's not a prediction. That's just assessing the risk that can happen at these markets. So we did see feeder cattle go down sharply. Um, once uh, once we saw this report come out and the corn market explode higher, I was asked by another broadcaster following the report, how come feeder cattle didn't lock the limit lower? And I said, if you open a dictionary and you look up the word optimist, you're going to see a description of a cattle feeder. Uh, and uh, they always have some optimism that once we get current and get past these capacity issues with the processors, that we'll see these higher cash cattle prices come eventually, that optimism is what still maintains some demand for those feeder cattle in the current environment. So with that optimism, are we going to possibly look for for a turnaround Thursday, shall we say, for these feeders? Well, I think possibly we're going to watch and see how big the gains are in feed prices again tomorrow. That will certainly be a factor. Um, Also going to be watching to see if we can do anything with these cash cattle prices. I'm not optimistic that we're going to in the near term. One of the problems we're facing this week and next week is we have a holiday smack in between the two weeks on Sunday. So that's going to affect Saturday kill and it's going to affect Monday kill. So two weeks of shortened kill numbers at a time when we need to have full kill going uh, in this cattle industry. I want to jump back before we finish up on on the livestock. I did want to go back to U.S. weather a little bit. The PNW has had record-breaking, even hot for what we would consider here in the Midwest. But overall, weather has definitely been interesting in the month of June. Yeah, if you look at the month of June at how it ranks from a temperature standpoint, we see numerous locations across the West that's stretching from the state of Washington down to California, east into the Intermountain region, and then uh, across the northern part of the country in the northern plains that are experiencing anywhere from their hottest June on record to a top five hot June June on record. That's out of 129 years worth of data. It's just been plain hot. And when you look specifically at the Pacific Northwest, they've been having temperatures that we would consider extreme heat here in the plains where we're kind of used to heat. They're not. And so they're not accustomed to it. Their livestock certainly is not accustomed to it, nor are their uh, ability to air condition, so to speak. That is a real problem for the industry. Not only the lack lack of, uh, of coolness or moderate temperatures, but the lack of rain as well. They've been getting some rain right along the coast, but in the, some of those more agricultural areas, they've been very dry west, uh, east of the mountains, excuse me, in the Pacific Northwest, and that dryness stretches all the way across the northern plains into Minnesota, where it's been one of the drier Junes on record in addition to the hottest. So because of that, as we go back to the livestock, does this cause any concerns for you from from the weight loss or weight gain for those in the feedlots? Certainly for a uh, a difficulty gaining efficiency is going to be down and that means more feed initially it kind of suppresses the appetite and suppresses gain but eventually then you have to feed more in order to get the weights beyond feed more days in order to get the weights you want and does increase the total feed consumption. And finally, your thoughts on the way these hogs have been trading? I mean, they came along with the cattle on this report today. 
Uh, they did. It was kind of an up and down day in the hog market today, um, but with a little bit more of an up bias. We really took a lot out of the lean hog futures market here over the month of June. We started to bounce back a little bit now. As, as we look at this market, it's watching China very closely. We saw a total collapse in the hog market in China, and all of a sudden the Chinese government is worried about trying to buy pork and put it into the reserve to support domestic pork prices. That's not a good recipe for exports. We've seen domestic demand for pork soften up due to two years of high prices. I should say three years high prices. But we do expect later in the year that demand to start coming back and domestic demand to start coming back again now that the restaurants have refilled the supply lines. All right, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you? Stonex.com over on Twitter. Follow me. My handle is ArlenFF101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, so they're not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.